0: orchestra. are always adding so much, leading us. If you have your Bible or whatever you read the scriptures out of, uh, turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, if you would. We're going to stand in a moment for the reading of the Word of God. Uh, We stand... To honor the Word of God, we we've, we've been honoring the Word of God all all morning. We've been already quoting, reading the Word. We've been singing the Word. We have seen the Word through the baptism that has taken place. We have prayed the Word, and now, um, God willing, uh, I will be preaching the Word. Hopefully, we'll be receptive to this. Today we switch gears, but it's still. the the same kind of thing that we've been doing for uh, uh, the last little bit. We've been going on foundations, Um, the things we believe and why it's important that we believe them. We uh, have have been studying the five solas. Now we trip over into studying, beginning today, the Apostles' Creed. So uh, let's stand and read the word together, if you would. Please, you follow along as I read this. John three sixteen through 18, and then 36. This is a, a familiar passage of Scripture, but one that I hope, even if it is familiar to you, you let it speak to you with, uh, with just fresh insight. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed In the name of the only Son of God. Verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Father, these are are powerful words. They're encouraging words on one hand to those of us who have, have simply put our trust and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Lord, I, I hope that today, for those who are not yet in Christ, that they are words that, that are sobering, even frightening, to know that, that one could be in a place of having the, the wrath, the wrath of Almighty God, remaining on him or her god i pray that today that thought if there's even one here today like that 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 thought would send that person running running to the cross of the lord jesus christ and lord today we pray that as we work our way through this simple statement i believe i pray that you would help us now to know your word to love your word, to trust your word, and commit ourselves to obeying your word. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to look at your worship guides, if you would, and I'm going to read through the very top quote, the Apostles' Creed, and we will have this... uh, in our worship guide for the next several weeks as we go through this but I just want you to listen to these words I believe God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only son our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified dead and buried He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, there are words in that little paragraph that I just read that at first glance seem off, right? Are you with me? Until we unpack what they mean. For example, descended into hell. If you haven't read the Apostles' Creed recently, That should have grabbed you. We're not going to unpack that today. That's for another sermon. But there is another phrase that always grabs those of us who are Baptist. The other word is Catholic. Now, just so you will know, and the reason I do this is because I don't want you to be so blown away by what we just read that you don't hear anything else that I say today. It does not, are you listening? It does not refer to the Roman Catholic Church. It refers to the church universal. That you and I are vitally connected to the church, the body of Christ, not only now around the world, but that has existed through the ages and will exist until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Now, it's kind of interesting, and I don't know that I remember this from my previous trips to Riverland, but this past Sunday when we were in church and I was worshiping with a multinational congregation. We're talking about refugees. We're talking about the, the, the national indigenous people we said, not in a language that I understood, but it was very obvious that we were reciting the Apostles' Creed. Now, I want you to understand, it hit me at that moment that they, when it comes to that word of that holy Catholic Church, that it has been explained to them so that they know, now you've got to get this, they know that they are a part of something bigger than themselves. You've got to get a picture of how alone and lonely they are. It, it's hard to, to even grasp that in... And I'll give you, I'll give you in, in the United States the graphic area, the geographic area that it would be like over there. When we started about 13 years ago, working with the church at Riverland. Now, that's a code name. Uh, you can ask other people what it is, and we'll tell you gladly in, in a private conversation. But that's a code name. And one of our guys, Chad Puckett, you remember Chad, don't you? When we were over there, because of the darkness, we were, we were thinking about, what do we call this place? What do we tag it? What, what do we call it so we can, we can use that as an identifier and Chad said, why don't we call it, because of the darkness there, why don't we call it Mordor? <laughs> I, I thought that was pretty descriptive, but we thought, nah, they, they might watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and they might, no, I don't think that would be good. So we finally named it Riverland because of one of the cities where a river runs through it. We call it Riverland. But get, get a picture of this. If you started in Little Rock, Arkansas, and you traveled all the way to Albuquerque, now I'm, I'm doing this on my, I could turn around and do this, I'm coming from east to west, and you trabe, traveled to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and from Oklahoma City down to about the Dallas-Fort Worth area, that is the area that we are working in. Now imagine this. When we started 13 years ago, there was one Protestant evangelical church for that entire area. Can you imagine being the lone church and you're a part of a little congregation? We had probably about 40 that, that church has just spun out people and spun out people all of the time, but, but probably 40 And when they're all from the outlying areas when they come together, maybe 100 people in their new building. It's an incredible thing to see. But imagine that you're one of approximately 100 believers in this area of the size that I just said to you, and there's one church. Listen, if you get mad, you can't just go to the church down the street. There's not one, or there didn't used to be. Now, this church, get this, over the last 13 years, and and, and Pastor O will constantly say over and over and over again to me, and I want to pass it along to you because that's what he wants me to do. He says, you thank the people at Heritage Baptist Church because you have sent teams of people over here who do not speak our language, but they have faithfully walked through these towns, and they have prayed. I get shivers when I think about it. They have prayed for these areas. And in the towns where we have prayed and other groups, not just us, other groups have come. Do you know what's happened? They have now planted three baby churches. And When they baptize, it is, it, it, it is not just a They don't have a baptistry in, in their church. It's one of the things we talk to them about. They don't particularly need one because they they're right by the black sea they just go out the whole bunch goes out in the black sea and they baptize with people walking by and all the rest of that but but here's here's the point that i'm getting at when they say the apostles creed which they do every sunday and they come to that part that says we are a part of the universal church we are a part of heritage even though they met nine hours ago we are a part of heritage and they are a part of us do you understand what it means? It's not just some academic theological thing that you learn in seminary. This is real stuff. So let me just run through, looking at the clock, got plenty of time. Jen said, le- leaned over and said, don't cut your sermon short. I said, okay, I've got, I've got plenty of time, but let's go because we've got a lot to go over. You see the outline? We're going to talk about this, because having a creed, sometimes for Baptists, is a little bit different. So I want to explain to you why we are doing this study. I just explained to you one of the reasons, one of the key reasons, just from a little phrase in the Apostles' Creed. Okay, why the word creed? You may not realize this. Many of you do, but in case you don't, many of our English words come from other languages and when I was in high school I don't even know do they teach Latin anymore okay some of you are taking Latin that is a good thing when I was in high school I took Latin and it was it was great because it gave me a foundation for taking Greek a little bit later on I said a foundation I'm not sure it helped Spanish, French, a lot of the Romance language, they go back to, to Latin. And so early on, this is, one of, this, this is the oldest creed, we, we believe, other than biblical creeds. Second century A.D., the church has been saying this in their little gatherings uh, of people. And so it goes back, and they would say it in Latin, language of the language of, of the Roman world of that day, okay? And the very first words in the Latin version, the Latin word is credo, which means I believe. Now the apostles didn't write it. It's just a summary of all that the apostles wrote in the New Testament. It was the summary of, of New Testament theology that was spoken by the early Christians. Get this, and again, we have a hard time coming to grips with this because we don't live like they did. This was spoken in the face of persecution, and that's why overseas it has much more bite than sometimes it does here. Another thing about the Apostles' Creed historically it was often spoken by people who had just been baptized. The I believes of the Christian faith. Take that one phrase, just for example. Do you understand what it means or what it meant back then for someone to say, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, Our Lord. That meant back then that when they said, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, they were basically equating him with God, which he is. But to say he's my Lord? I am utterly committed to him? In a culture where you had to say, Caesar is Lord. When you said Jesus is Lord, it meant death. Believers in Riverland, uh, this particularly happened. I don't know if you remember about uh, 12, maybe 12, 11, 12 years ago. I, I should have looked up the date. The murder of the three brothers in that country. Do you realize that there were some, some believers there, Turk, what, believers there in, in that whole country that when they saw that, they, they had been on the fence and they had believed, they had trusted. We're going to talk about this in a minute. And, and they had come to a place of, of saying, I, I trust in the Lord Jesus, but they had not yet taken the step of baptism. And in those kinds of contexts, taking the step of baptism is, is when you commit. And there was a rash of believers who after those murders said, we commit, we want to say Jesus is Lord. To the extent, now I think I've shared this with you before, it's been a long time, but in, in, in that country, in, and in our country too, we're going to have this pretty soon, they have national ID cards. And if you're born in that country, automatically, unless your parents do something else, Excuse me. Automatically, the religion blank is filled in for you. Muslim. And there were not a few believers that, after that fact, when they committed themselves, they were baptized, they went down, imagine this, to the offices where it is done, and they said, We want to change our designation of religion from Muslim to Christian. I heard a man say, Marty, I I hear what you're saying, but Baptists don't have creeds. What I want to do is just believe in God and Jesus. Time out. Do you realize that when he said that, he just spoke a creed? Remember what the word creed means, to believe. And and like it says in the quote, in fact, B.H. Carroll, who was the founder of Southwestern Seminary, where I went to school, you went to school there too, he would have been shocked to hear that. Look at the quote over here by B.H. Carroll. There never was a man in the world without a creed. So true. What is a creed? A creed is what you believe. Everybody's got a creed. What is a confession? It is a declaration of what you believe. That declaration may be oral or it may be committed to writing, but the creed is there either expressed or implied. So no matter what denomination you are, I hope you say, I believe, but not only I believe, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. But that's why we can't just say, today we're saying, I believe. That's what we're talking about today. But it can't stop there because there are a lot of people who say, I believe, right? And they would even go further. Let me just give you an example. I'll just pick a group that you need to at least be aware of because they're, they have really been trying to be mainstreamed as an orthodox Christian faith. It's the Mormons, even some Baptists have written that that they really ought to be mainstreamed as just another denomination. When they say, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, they mean something a lot different than what the Bible says. When we say, sola scriptura, They would say, I believe the Bible, but I'm going to add three other inspired writings to the Bible. Now, you won't see that on a lot of their websites. Or hear that when these two very polite young men come to your door dressed in a white shirt and a tie. Everyone has a creed. Do you remember a scientist by the name of Carl Sagan? Here was his creed. The cosmos is all that there is or ever will be. Hmm. He died a few years ago. I, I, I don't say this to be funny, folks. He found out that his creed was wrong. Richard Dawkins is another. You know what? I, I, got, I got going and I skipped over another great quote from B.H. Carroll. He's, I, I'm going to back up. Is that okay? You know, I'm, the sermons are supposed to flow. I always pray, Lord, don't let me mess up. Just let it be a flow. Don't let any unwholesome word come out of my mouth. But I was just praying down there, Lord, I, I would rather flub up and it be anointed then be eloquent and it be flat okay so I just pray that it's anointed I, I really the words that are anointed so let me back up because I, I just found so many rich quotes from B.H. Carroll I, and this guy he had this long white beard he looked really he looked like one of the guys from ZZ Top I'm, I'm telling you It's great, but he was such a theologian and a a, a pastor's heart. He he said this about creeds. I I gave you the quote, but then I found another one. I didn't have room for it or time to put it in. But here's something. I love these with just a little bit of a, you know, a, a point, a gig here. The modern cry, less creed and more liberty, or the way some would say it today, no creed but Jesus, Okay? is a degeneration from the vertebrate to the jellyfish and means less unity and less morality, and it means more heresy. Definitive truth does not create heresy. It only exposes and corrects Shut off the creed, and the Christian world would fill up with heresy unsuspected and uncorrected, but nonetheless deadly. So, just another little quote from the founder of Southwestern Seminary. Okay. All right. Who was I talking about last? Oh, Richard Dawkins. I mentioned Carl Sagan. Okay, he he has a creed. Richard Dawkins also has a creed. Now, he's living today. uh, and, and we want to be kind to, to people, even if they differ from us. So let me just tell you what Richard's And you can see this. If you will Google Ben Stein, he, he did this movie called Expelled, okay? No truth in the classroom, all that. And there's about a six-minute interview with Richard Dawkins, who is an atheist, an avowed atheist. He's written a books, many books, one of those called The God Delusion. And... Uh, so, Ben Stein is just asking him some questions. Well, how, how did everything get started? Dawkins scientifically said, I, I don't know. It could have been, now get this, it could have been that an advanced civilization in another part of the universe, who came about, by the way, through Dar- Darwinian means, he added that, maybe through advanced technology came and seeded our earth with life so richard dawkins believes in intelligent design see everybody has a creed now, let me just stop students students look at me what do you believe older folks what what do you what do you believe it's important now, I doubt that Richard Dawkins is ever going to come to your door and try to talk you out of your Christian faith. But I dare say it might happen someday that those two young men dressed very snappily in their white shirts and black ties with a little tag that says elder when they're only like 17 and haven't started shaving <laughs> will come to your door And they will say, we are the church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. And we would love to talk to you about what the Bible says. That's why you need to know this. Look at the big idea. Look at the big idea on your notes. The Apostles' Creed is a concise summary of the main points of the Christian faith that will help us avoid and correct error and be strengthened and matured in our faith. That's why we're doing this. So, let's go right through the the notes. I already did the the first one. What is believing? The creed opens with a powerful statement, I believe. That's not the same as, oh, I I believe that tomorrow it's going to turn cold and rain and maybe even snow. No. It's not sentimental faith. There there is so much in Christianity where people will, will say something like, I walked in church and I had this warm, fuzzy feeling and everybody was nice to me, and that's my experience of finding God. It's not a sentimental thing. Now, I'm going to go way back for some of you. Okay? I'm going to go back to the year 1953 when a song was done. You're smiling. Kelly, you weren't around in 1953. I know that. Okay. But how many of you remember... The song, this would be a good to, uh, show of hands. I believe that was sung first by Frankie Lane. Anybody remember that song? They don't remember. I, I figured they wouldn't remember. It was covered by Pat Boone. Have you ever heard of Pat Boone? Okay, some of you have. Perry Como. It was covered by Perry Como. It was also covered by Tom Jones. All right, we got some thumbs up over there. It was also covered by Elvis. I love his rendition. I believe. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go. No, 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 no. Now listen, okay. I've got your attention now. This is good, okay. Here is, here is the faith. This was written in 1953 to encourage Americans because they had just been through World War II that ended in 1945, and now they were entering into the Korean War. And somebody needed to give some encouragement to the American people, so the, Frankie Lane sang it, but he didn't, he, he didn't write it. Listen to the sentimentality. It's not bad. It's just woefully inadequate. I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. I believe that somewhere in the darkest night, a candle glows. Are you feeling the warm, the fuzzy? I believe for everyone who goes astray, someone will come to show the way. Is that always true? Uh, I believe, I believe. Anyway, I won't even go any further that sentimentality that's not what the bible is talking about when it says i believe would you base your life now that you're living would you base your your work your marriage on that kind of a sentimental faith if you do listen i have about as much hope for you as i do that the razorbacks are going to win another game in football this season Okay, here's what I'm trying to say. The days of sentimental faith are over. This generation, this generation that's coming up, they don't want that kind of sappy, sentimental faith. They want solid truth, and we will not scare them away with solid faith to help them face the future. So what does faith mean? I've got four things written down. Let's look at those very, very quickly. It means mental assent. It means mental assent. It means true biblical faith is believing with conviction that certain things are true and certain things are not true. I've combined a couple of verses, John 10, 27, excuse me, 20, 27, and 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. Thomas doubted. He was one of the disciples that doubted. And what did Jesus do? He said, look at me. I am a real man. This is a real historical man who lived. And he said, here's what I want you to do. There's evidence that demands a verdict. Put your your hand out. Put your finger. Feel the holes in my hand. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do Do not disbelieve, but believe. And then later on, John writes these words in his epistle. He says, that which was from the beginning what we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. He was talking about Jesus. Jesus is real. It means also believing that there are absolutes. Even when the climate in which we live, and this is not just America, this is worldwide. There's a climate that rejects. It will accept almost any religion and approve and respect it as long as that religion does not speak of absolute truth in the narrow way. I'm talking about content-filled truth. You've got to have something to believe. I'm talking about, again, sola scriptura. The Bible alone is our authority. Now, in Riverland, several years ago, our pastor's wife over there one day was, was giving a testimony in the church. And she simply said these words I came to realize that the Bible is true and the Quran was not. There was someone in the service that day who was filming. And they went to the authorities. And she was arrested for blaspheming the Quran. It, it was hassle, it, really. By the way, this is a country which touts that there is freedom of religion. They finally dismissed the case. But do you see how? something as simple as sola scriptura. We believe this book alone is our authority. Do you see how precious it is? It almost feels like Paul time warped when he wrote these words in Romans chapter 1. And, and, and What a fitting description of our culture today. Claiming to be wise. When they cast aside the revelation of God, they became fools. Exchanged the glory of God The glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. There's a reason why there's so much impurity in the land. We've made the great exchange. The dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. So, I believe is the essential starting point. It's much more than just believing that God exists, again, it's not sentimentality, it's not, it's not like believing in the tooth fairy, or Jedis, or hobbitses, to quote Gollum. Faith always starts with an intellectual dimension. But it doesn't stop there. It has a heart dimension. Look at number two. Believing means trusting. Again, there's more to faith than just believing God exists. When you say, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in the Holy Spirit, you're not just saying there is a God or there is a Jesus or there is a Holy Spirit. This word used here in the creed is much stronger. It means I am putting my trust in God. I'm putting my utter confidence in God. And if you think I was just trying to be cute when I said faith in Jedi, in the United Kingdom, that's Great Britain, all of those islands, do you realize several years ago, listen to this almost 400,000 people listed their religion as Jedi. The fourth largest religion in the British Isles, more than Judaism, more than Buddhism. Sometimes truth really is stranger than fiction. Hebrews 11 says this, about faith, Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 6. Again, I'm I'm just sharing these verses that you've seen, those of you who have walked with the Lord a number of times. But here's what faith is. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, that's the mental, that's first of all, and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith is intellectual. It's also heart. There's a trust, but there's also a will dimension. Look at the next thing. Believing means making a commitment. Tomorrow's Veterans Day. Can you imagine showing up for a Veterans Day service somewhere? And everybody rises on cue to say the pledge of allegiance. And they put their hand over their heart. And there's a guy over here that's sitting down. And he doesn't rise to say the pledge of allegiance. What what would you assume about his loyalty? His fidelity. Can you imagine a a naturalization ceremony like some of our friends Farshid and Faraday went through recently, where what do they do? Now, this is church. This is an illustration of what we're talking about, that faith is commitment. Can you imagine a naturalization ceremony where somebody would say, oh, I want to be a part of your country. I just don't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't want to pledge a loyalty to this country. probably say I I don't think you really want to be a part what would you say in a wedding ceremony if you came to the part of the marriage the wedding pledge where words are contained such as I take you for better or for worse for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health in one of those people, one of the spouses decided I I, I nah, I don't, I don't want to go there you would say that, that doesn't really sound like commitment to me see believing means commitment and that's why historically this is interesting, I said it a minute ago historically when a person was baptized that person would say the apostle's creed I believe it's a Trinitarian formula. They were, they were telling the world, even in the face of Caesar, they were telling the world that they have committed their lives to Jesus Christ. And again, in a country like where we work, in Riverland, we don't call it baptism when we talk about it in our emails and things like that. We talk about people going swimming. But we know what they're saying, what they're really saying in the face of opposition and even persecution and sometimes death. I have committed my life. It's one thing to believe, to know the facts are true. It's one thing to to get it down into my heart, but I am making a commitment where I'm following through. It's a joyful declaration. It's a pledge of loyalty that I have a personal relationship with God. Tristan and Izzy, that's exactly what you did when you went through, like Pastor Jimmy said, that sign. You may not get it all and grasp it all now. I'm not sure that I even do, but it's a statement of loyalty. I have a personal relationship with God through Christ. Last thing is this. Believing means obedience. Not perfect obedience. Jesus said it's it's the, the fruit. It's the fruit of true faith. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus Christ, through whom we have received grace and apostleship, he said in Romans, to bring about the obedience of faith, the obedience that grows out of faith for the sake of his name among the Gentiles. It's the first time in three years that we have been I have been back to Riverland I want you to know that the church there is doing well and again I want to say thank you for your prayers you need to continue to pray for Pastor O his family, the church family at Agape you need to pray for them And especially, I I will give you this update, there are so many neat things that are going on, work among the refugees. Again, the last time I was there, there had been one church planted that Jan and I went down and and visited in a town about two hours east of where the main church is. Now we went two hours west and two hours south to visit these other new congregations that the, the, the church has planted but in the midst of all this, we, we were, were flying back from overseas, we got to Chicago, I turned my phone on, and it was, it was just, Jan was texting, are you okay, did you get out okay? Have you heard from our friends, our, our American friends there? And, and I said no, so I called her, and our, our, our dear American friends who have worked there for eight years, model. I'm telling you, model citizens, really. Their resident permit was not renewed, at least for him. And that means that as of tomorrow, he has 10 days to get out of the country unless this designation which in which, this is amazing, he's designated in the same group that they put terrorists. The government has said he's a threat to the health and the security of their country. His wife's permit was renewed. The children's permits were renewed. His wasn't. They're not kicking people out. They're just systematically not renewing. And this is happening more and more these days with Western M's that are over there. And so we need to pray for them. We need to pray. I, I pray that God would undo it, perhaps. Pray that God would use this to raise up the the national workers, the refugee workers that need to be raised up. Yes, absolutely. Pray that our part would actually increase. Pray for them. Pray for wisdom and guidance because they really, this has caught them so off guard. They really don't know where to go and what to do at this point. They're in contact with the, the leaders of their company and uh so you you be in prayer for them because they are seeking the the only thing they are seeking to do is to help people believe in jesus christ now you've just heard the first phrase from the apostles creed wouldn't it be sad if we were here today and you happen to be here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. Oh, I mean, you believe. Mentally, he exists. Maybe you've actually even kind of emotionally gotten, gotten involved with it. But you've never taken that step of saying, I, I repent of my sins. I turn by faith to Jesus Christ. I want to be his follower. The Bible says today if you hear his voice is the day of salvation. Wouldn't it be great today if you came to faith in Jesus Christ? And that's why as we close our time Today, I will be here, and others will be here. And we would love to talk to you about what it means to know and to follow Jesus Christ. So let me pray, and uh, then we'll have a closing song, and then I will uh, close us out with a benediction. Father, I thank you that the words I believe can can be so crucial they are the first step and i pray that today there might be that first step then in the days ahead as we add to it i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth oh lord what encouraging words those are to us no matter what situation we are in because we believe in the god who is the almighty god god no matter what our circumstance so father if there is anyone without christ today i pray that you might reveal their need that they would turn away from sin confess jesus christ is the one who forgives the only one who can forgive of sin they would trust him today for those of us who know you i pray that we would grow in the gospel graces of repentance and faith Lord, thank you now that we can sing an affirmation of what we've been talking about and then go out and live it as effectively as we can. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.